What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Ten, nine, eight. Ignition sequence has started. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. And now broadcasting from a secret location, your hosts, Joel Sturgis and Doug Hychek. Welcome to Untold Radio AM. I'm your host, Doug Hychek, and missing is Joel Sturgis, who is uh, normally here, but he's under the weather. So tonight we have a treat. I've got my I call him my shyest son, who's going to co-host tonight with me. And please, he is shy, but I had to twist his arm. But Alex, are you there? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm here, Dad. Good. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's awesome to share the mic with you tonight. So anyhow, um, the first thing I want to ask you is you really haven't had any paranormal experiences you're just you're like the every other kid of mine has had paranormal life you know where they've had numerous numerous things it's been you and then josh that have been completely spared of the paranormal ways so is that true or or are you just holding back i mean i might be holding back a little bit not gonna lie uh, a little bit. Do you have anything that you want to, anything you want to share? A little thing that kind of maybe dropped into your gray basket? Well, you know, um, wow. Uh, you know, no pressure. I mean, I did have something happen to me, you know, a while back and I'm still processing it. It was so quick. It was there and it was gone. And I still don't know what to make of it. What was it? Well, yeah, I mean, you're right to say that out of, you know, all, all my brothers and sisters, I would say I've been the most resilient to, to having experienced, you know, the paranormal yeah. and just, just weird stuff. Everything's um, been normal. Everything's been normal. And, and in fact, you had, um, 
you had like the shortest Bigfoot researching career ever. Your, your, your younger brother, Blaine, took you out Bigfooting one night, some nighttime foray in the middle of a swamp, as I remember, in a high activity area. And it was like one night and then that was it, right? You'll never go again. Yeah. Yeah. Something uh, I'm sure a lot of researchers, you know, they may spend their whole lives trying to have an experience like this. And uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> I didn't think anything was going to happen, but I was still freaked out. I mean, you're out alone, middle of the woods, just me and my brother and uh, our friend Jim. And I mean, first off, it's just, you're feeling weird. I mean, this isn't something I normally do. I probably spend, you know, 80% of my free time in front of a computer. <laughs> um, but yeah, we went out in the middle of the woods. Uh, my brother does a bunch of Bigfoot research or, or he has in the past. And there was a active location that he, he swore that he had, had activity. And uh, I mean, he kept, trying to drag me out there and I just I didn't want to I mean quite frankly I was I was scared I was freaked out about it and also you know at the same time though the skeptic in me is like well yeah but you know nothing's gonna happen fine right. fine I'll go and so we go and you know we're going deeper and deeper and deeper into the woods and <laughs> already I'm not liking it right? <laughs> And um, I mean, pretty much anything happens and I'm jumping, right? I mean, you hear a squirrel, I'm jumping, but this was different. I mean, it was, I mean, it was this clear eye shine over that started over six feet tall, kind of been a bear. And I mean, I basically froze, you know, and finally came to my senses. I blinked and it was, it was gone. And I mean, I basically begged to leave. At that point, yeah, I wouldn't. Bl- I wouldn't blame you though. Um, on the same token, didn't didn't you guys see some other weird things that night? It's been a long time since I've heard this story. And there was, you know, there's there's other stuff that happened, but I mean that that has been burned into my memory. Everything else is just so. Uh, just kind of went by in a blur. What what um, describe describe what you saw? You say eye shine, but yet this was more of an eye glow because there were no flashlights, or was it reflecting from the flashlight? Well, the thing was is uh, Blaine kept wanting to turn her flashlights off, right, so that we could you know look for activity. We didn't scare anything off, and. Um, if I remember correctly, I, I don't think there was any flashlight on him. Yeah. That's what I remember. Yeah. He's, he's pretty strict on that. No flashlights. Yeah. So, so it was glowing and the eyes were actually glowing on their own self illuminating. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And how long did you tough it out out there that night? We were out there a few hours at least. But I mean, as soon as that happened, I mean, I was just like, I need to go. <laughs> I need, I need to go now. And yeah. I've never been out since. No. And so it was the world's shortest Bigfoot research career. Yes. 
Um, I'm trying to think here. Um, I don't remember ever. I have told you a lot of my stories, but I literally have never heard ever anything, not seen a glimpse of a ghost or a shadow person or literally nothing from you. So I just kind of assume nothing's happened. Um, you haven't seen a UFO, correct? No UFOs. No. No ghosts. No. <laughs> um, I glow, which is like I said, your brother dragged you out there. Um, so what was your, so just get back. You, you said you might've had something that's you're still digesting. Yeah. What was it? Well, that, I mean, that was it. It was just, I guess it's just so, you know, something like that happens to you and you don't know what to believe anymore. I gotcha. So it made you, it took away your skepticism and made you think, oh, maybe there is a possibility. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Gotcha. And then that makes you think, you know, what else is out there? You know, what else uh, am I completely oblivious to? Yeah, and it's, you know, there really are two kinds of people um, on the face of the planet. There's those we call experiencers that have had, you know, tastes of ghosts and Bigfoot and UFOs and those that have just never seen anything. And I find it odd and I question that, like, what, what is causing that? Is it because you're not looking for it? Is it because your radio isn't tuned into it? Or is it just simply you're unlucky? Or is it because you're lucky that you don't get <laughs> you know, it could be luck too. Have you ever wondered that? Like, why, why do some people see so many things? Alex, I mean, I've had probably well over a thousand um, milestones like like your experience right but times a thousand and you've only experienced one thing and i think wow that would be like a you know a, a month you know um because it's hard for me to even go a month without something really amazing in most cases something i've never experienced never seen before and yet You've had nothing. Blaine, your brother, has had many things. Many, yes. Many. Um, uh, your sister, um, um, your older sister, has had many. Your middle sister has not had much. And then the youngest has had tons of things. So I always wonder if it's just, the you know, like the way your radio is tuned in, you know, the radio dial. Or is it the way we're born? Um and so those are those are really interesting. And tonight our guest, Dave Emmons, has had a whole life of you know strange experiences, which he's going to relay tonight. And Dave's just like a regular nice guy. He's a you know he's been a business owner, business manager. Um, uh, he's been in you know, top secret clearance in the army. Um, you know, in you know working on nuclear things. Um, he's done a lot of things. And yet, he's had a ton of experiences. But I mean, does that ever? Do you ever wonder about yourself? Like yeah, you haven't. Yeah, and I mean, there have been periods of my life where I've really wanted more of that. You know. Um, and, okay, that's um, interesting. You know, I mean, it, you're on the fence about it because 
are you going to be willing to process it? I mean, that one night alone has been a lot for me to take in, let alone if, you know, I was to have a lot of these bizarre experiences to start happening. Right. You take the garbage out, you see a UFO hovering over the neighbor's house. So you, you, do you worry that that would freak you out so bad that it might, you know, like even affect your mental health? Well, I I definitely feel like you have to be prepared for it. And you, I mean, you have to have a certain level of resolve to, to be able to go on with your life and and still, you know, experience these things. Right. And actually, you know, you bring up a point to go on with your life because when they're not happening, you remember these incredible adrenaline rushes, right? Yeah. And I don't think it's really addicting, but on the same token, I think some of us feel lost when you go through long periods with nothing. Like I've gone, like lately, it has been nothing, which is probably the longest period I've ever gone without anything. I mean, literally zero happening. And it's nice because you feel like your life is back to normal, but then you kind of get this longing, like what's, you know, am I, have I been forgotten about? You know what I mean? Exactly. A lot of weird stuff yeah. goes through your head. Um, Cause we've gone through periods where, you know, we've had numerous UFO sightings, sometimes in broad daylight, sometimes very nearby things coming out of the lake. Um, in almost every case witnessed by another person. So at least you know you're not crazy, but man, I'll tell you the adrenaline rush can be really, really um, addicting maybe. It might be a good word. And so I find it interesting that you've even wanted to see things, but you haven't. So that's really interesting. It's actually quite telling to people listening. Yeah, it's... You know, for, for people that have had those experiences, I mean, I feel like, you know, on, on one part, I'm missing out, right? But on another uh, aspect of it, I feel like, you know, it's how do you, how, how do you go about your, your, you know, your day to day and not have that mess with you? I mean, I am definitely worried about that. Yeah, it is weird. So if you see, for instance, a creature an alien in your house. Can you imagine, can you imagine that how traumatic that would be? That would take away all your safety, your security, your peace of mind. You're never going to feel safe again. And thank God I have never seen anything uh, except I, I shouldn't say that back in the seventies, I did see some strange creature standing at the end of my bed, just staring at me. But I was the only one that witnessed it. So you wonder, you comfort yourself when there's no witness by saying, ah, that was probably dreaming, right? Yeah. And yet you still remember it like yesterday. You know it wasn't a dream, but then you you comfort yourself by saying it was just, just a dream, just a dumb dream. Because I don't think anything would be freakier. It's one thing to see a UFO outside or an orb outside, or whatever, a monster, a Bigfoot. It's another to see it in your home. Well, and that that makes me wonder how many, you know, I understand more and more people are, are 
becoming more comfortable coming out and, and sharing their experiences, but how many more millions of people have had these strange things happen to them, but they can't even admit it to themselves. No, right. Let alone other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I do, I'm reverting back to our guest tonight because. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't really think anybody has anything to gain by going public. And I think most people, even if they want to tell people, they're not going to because they're afraid they're going to get laughed at. That's probably no bigger fear than coworkers. You know, if you're a policeman, for instance, and you see something really bizarre while you're on patrol, the last thing you're going to want to be is teased every day at work. You know, have people leave you notes and, you know, just tease you. That's uh, that's scary for a lot of people. So I do... Um, I do find people that do come forward, many of them very courageous, you know, you could imagine um, the courage it takes to go public. I mean, it took me courage to talk about stuff openly. And, and then finally you just kind of get old enough where you just go, ah, don't really care. I don't really care what people think. And I've always worked alone, you know, fairly, you know, pretty much. And so I'm not going to be subject to being in a police precinct you know, where my fellow police officers are, you know, going to be ribbing me every day. That would be horrible. Yeah. Oh, so definitely. I know what you're saying. Yeah. To be someone in the Navy, the army, a police officer, and to have yeah. the courage to, to come out and, and speak freely on, yeah. on what happened and what you saw must be super hard. Yeah. Although finally, you know, with the government finally admitting they, don't understand what's what's been photographed and recorded on radar and they don't have an explanation for it it's finally i think giving people one that came forward earlier more confidence in their self and they're getting probably teased less you know they can finally say i told you so you know what i mean <clears throat> and then um but there's still a ton of people especially in states like minnesota where we have so much um, like German descent, you know, where they're just, there's no way they're coming forward. You know, they're just not talking to anybody. I've always estimated, Alex, that maybe only 1% of people ever report anything weird that they see. Yeah, that sounds right. Probably about right. Yeah. So, so you're a skeptic, but you're, I do sense that you're open-minded. Does that make, does that? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the way you'd qualify? I mean. Exactly. For instance, um, right now you're you're publishing with Hangar One Publishing that you run. You're publishing paranormal books. 
and you have to read these books. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely, you know, everyone makes you think, you know, it definitely is. It's eye opening. Yeah. Um, okay. So what I want to do, I'm going to shift gears. I do want to point people for the, you know, the Bigfoot skeptics out there, <clears throat> or even, you know, people who are interested in Bigfoot to go to my website or the face, my Facebook page. And there, I just posted a new thing called the pink hair study where uh, myself and Mike Ann, um, who is a Facebook friend of mine, who runs a group called the Tactical Bigfoot um, Research Group. He gave me an idea one time because I've suspected forever Bigfoots can see in UV light, which would help them see animal urine. It would help them hunt. It would, it would make some animals possibly even glow, prey animals. It would do more than even seeing an IR spectrum. So they see in UV, which is the other end of the IR spectrum, um, it's not visible to the humans, but he said, Doug, why don't you take your Bigfoot hair and aim a UV flashlight on it, you know, and I did from the side and then look at it through your camera. And I did that. And immediately these highlights started popping from the core of the hair that were bright pink. And so Mike has gone on this mission now to develop a white paper He's got a scientist on board and they, um, so anybody who has Bigfoot hair um, or is really interested, you go to my Facebook page and read this latest thing. It's kind of gone viral on Facebook. <clears throat> it's had, um, you know, just a day after I posted it, it had 50 shares on 50 other websites. So it's certainly getting people's attention. But these are the things, Alex, that get people to come forward a bit more is, you know, some type of um, science, which is what I've always strived to do is try to bring science. So people like yourself, who are extremely um, logical in your thinking, to take note and go, hmm, you know what I mean? Maybe this stuff has some validation. I don't know. Have you seen? You probably haven't even seen it yet. I don't think I sent you a link to it, the, uh, the pink hair study. Oh, no, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, Blaine sh shared it with me. Oh, he did? Day. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's stuff like that. It's breakthroughs like um, um, the, they're very strange sebum that they seem to be leaving behind. Um, getting that, you know, 3D evidence. You have the latent, the latent information. You have the, the chemical compounds left in the skin, skin sebum. You have DNA, you, you know, that we can extract from it. So those are all things that we're, you know, there's going to be a lot more coming in the future. But, um, and I'm just, you know, I guess my main goal is to take people like you and get them to open their eyes. So that's always been my goal. And um, I don't know if, <laughs> I bet you, because you were so young when I did like Legend Meet Science, You've probably never even seen Legend Science, have you? Oh, I've 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 watched it for you sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know because I've never really discussed it with you. <clears throat> because I've always wanted to not not rock your your world. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely you know the timid one of the bunch. Yeah. Well, when you were born, you were that way too. You were always um, 
just kind of, uh, you had a very gentle demeanor, you know, not delicate, but, you know, you just seemed to be um, kind of an empath kind of person. You were always very aware of other people's feelings and, you know, you were like the greatest kid you could ever have when you were, you know, when you were young, you were one of those kids that grew up your whole life. You knew like from the time you were one that you were going to be a great person um, all the way through. You never had to worry about you. And that's then. So I've, so I've always been very proud of, of you, Alex, because <clears throat> um, you're just stable, logical, um, I was considerate of other people, yeah, but you've never had these, you know, these strange experiences. So, all right. So, um, yeah, go ahead. yeah, I was, I was going to say, so do you think part of having more of these experiences happening is tuning your radio and, and welcoming them and <clears throat> almost an no, allowing? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I don't think any time I've ever had an experience, I expected it, wanted it, or was even thinking remotely about it. Um, you know, like me and Yvette had this weird thing dive at our windshield that came, you know, literally from way up. We saw it clearly in the moonlight. Dive down, headed straight for our windshield. Look, we were just listening to the radio. It was a you know, beautiful evening talking about everything but monsters and it catches you out of the blue in fact you're caught so off guard that i actually think those are the times that you're more open when you're in a certain kind of a wavelength like content you know when, when you're yeah. very content because mm -hmm. when i think back every time i've had a paranormal experience it's been during contentment being just happy with your life um it's a beautiful day it's you got you know you don't have a care in the world those are the days that'll happen um so maybe it's almost like a meditative state yeah which is one theory i have but why is it that when most people for instance see ufos the weather is beautiful it's like they're outside and they're enjoying the weather they're just thinking about god it's good to be alive and then bam <laughs> <laughs> oh, everything changes and then you're just caught off guard so those are those are my feelings um what time is it it's already geez time goes quick okay so i'm going to get into a little bit of um I, I saw some weird news headlines that i just thought i'd bring up um i'm not going to get deep into them so you you know alex you always hear about like birds getting <clears throat> caught up in uh, pop rings, you know, those plastic rings. Yep. The, the rings. Pop, yeah. And now, of course, the big thing is you go to the parking, you know, you're in a parking lot and you look around and what do you see? You see those damn paper masks everywhere. Yep. Have you noticed that too? Yeah. They're okay. just, they're everywhere. It's sick. Yeah. I just, uh, and so of course, birds are getting, you know, entangled in them, geese, birds, Rare birds, songbirds are getting all tangled. But <clears throat> I was reading today about a bull elk who actually had his antlers caught in a giant tire that was full of like 10 pounds of debris inside the tire. So oh. he's got it wrapped around his antlers. So he's carrying around this big tire on his head. 
It's full of garbage. <laughs> and he's feeding and drinking, and you know, he's people are seeing this oh. and they're concerned. And you know, he's they're worried about getting tangled in branches, branches and fencing and whatnot. And finally they ended up tranquilizing it and removing the tires. So so God bless you, Elk. You're free. No <laughs> more tire around his head. So you think you're having a bad day. Okay. Um <clears throat> Another person apparently was displaying some garden gnomes right in their garden. And we've all had, I can only imagine all the things I've thrown out over the years that have been very valuable. I've seen like you watch um, um, like pickers, the guy will buy like a pair of old jeans for like a thousand bucks because they're from 1903 or whatever. And they're mint. Hell, if I had that in my box, I would toss it in the garbage, you know. (laughs) Of course. But, you know, he sold it for a thousand bucks. Okay. But these people had, it was in England, they had these garden gnomes in their garden. And they had apparently bought these things really cheap at an auction. And they were in their garden for 15 years. And they thought they were like replicas of some 18th century, you know, some cheap replica of some um, uh, Egyptian artifacts, relics. Come to find out they were authentic. Authentic? They were authentic. And so they ended up selling them, listen to this, for $265,000. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But you just think of it. They had them in their garden, you know, for 15 years where anybody could have stolen them. (laughs) Anyhow, there you go. Um, So... I, I've got to ask you a question. You, you, I, we're all hearing about self-driving cars, right? You can buy one now, right, from Tesla. Yeah. Hearing little bits and pieces about um, um, Uber is going to switch to self-driving cars, right? Yeah. But wouldn't you freak out if you call for an Uber and all of a sudden a car pulls in your driveway and there's nobody in it? What would you do? I really want to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, at this point, I just don't think it's ready. Um, I mean, I'm at least aware of the concept, but I feel like it, there's a lot of people that aren't even aware that this is a thing right now. So it actually is going on, isn't it, Alex? I mean, you use Uber a lot. Well, like, I, 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 I guess they're... like the, the move to self-driving, um, I, don't, I don't know if, they're, if they've ever done it like today. But it's coming very soon. You know very it's soon. coming. Well, they won't have to pay anybody. Yeah. Okay, so so it would freak you out, correct? Getting in an unmanned car. Yeah, I don't think I could trust it. Not today. Well, okay. So there's a there's a you know thing they call the robot apocalypse that may be coming. Um, you know, when self-driving cars become very common, self-autonomous robots start doing stuff, waiting on us at restaurants. I mean, you're gonna see this in your lifetime. By the time you're my age, there probably won't be one person working anywhere. It'll all be robots, and that's kind of freaky. So there's this there's this one dead-end street in San Francisco right now because they're testing these autonomous cars, right? Yeah. There's this dead-end street in San Francisco. It's a neighborhood, right, where people live. And for some weird reason, all these self-driving cars keep pulling in to this dead-end street. And sitting there a while, and then they take off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, 
it's creepy as it gets. I mean, I would just still be creeped out, even though you know the technology is there. It's creepy technology. I just think it's creepy. Well, I imagine they, they've got to be getting complaints. I mean, people got to be weirded out. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're actually complaining in this neighborhood because these, you know, AI-driven cars are just pulling into their neighborhood and just sitting there, and and then they leave. You know, they're like, well, why are they pulling into our neighborhood on this dead-end street? And it's, um, it's at 15th Avenue in Richmond District. And apparently these are the Waymo, I've never even heard of it, the Waymo self-driving cars. And they've taken a liking. There's, the neighbors are like, these things have taken a liking to our street. Wow. Creepy. Um, yeah, totally. Um, I just, uh, as an aside here, it looks like our, our guest is uh, in, the, in the waiting room. Good. Well, we got to go to a quick break. We'll go to the commercial break. And then we'll bring in our guest, Dave Emmons. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Untold Radio. Um, this is Doug Hycheck and my shyest son co-host today, temporary, because our normal co-host, Joel Sturgis, is under the weather tonight. Um, Alex, that half hour went by really quick. <laughs> yeah, super quick. <laughs> For your first podcast, you did great. So, okay. So let me introduce our guest here. Um, so Dave Emmons is a longtime UFO ET experiencer, and he's got a past military background and a top secret clearance with the U.S. Army. David is from Southwest Illinois. He's done a multiple of things. He's been uh, the team leader in an oil refinery, worked at the Red Cross as a shelter and disaster manager. Um, and now he's be becoming an author. Um, he's owned nightclubs, pretty much you name it. He's done a lot of things and he's definitely a businessman. But um, the main thing we're going to talk about, of course, is his UFO experiences. Dave, are you there? I'm here. Uh, hey, Dave, Doug, nice to meet you and Alex. Yes. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to Untold Radio. So how in the hell? And well, the first thing I want to know is you get out of the you get out of the military. I would imagine, you know, quite a while ago. When did you decide to come forward and start sharing your information? What year was that? That's the first question. I want to do this in reverse. Right. It's my buddy and I, when we saw our first uh, UFO, that was back in the uh, 63, 1963. Wow. And him and I talked about that quite a bit around people. 
but they laughed at us back then. We were just kids, so they didn't take us serious. I graduated from high school, went to the military, and I was in top secret for a little while. I didn't really like it. I, I took some tests. When you, when you go in the military, you take tests, and they find out what you're capable of doing. Well, they told me I can do anything I want. So I joined this nuclear weapons training. And when I got into the class, there's about 15 guys in there, and half of them had master's degrees. The other half had bachelor's, and I was the only high school student in the class. So I went through all this every week. We went through military intelligence, and they they kind of, I was too young to accept all this type of, uh, they open up your mail. You couldn't, you couldn't really say much in your mail, what's going on, what you're doing, how you're being trained. Right. So I just had to get a post chaplain to get me out of it. I, I just got out. I didn't fail out. I, I, I dropped out by myself. And then I went to Vietnam for my brother. My brother had orders to go to Vietnam and his wife was going to have a baby. So I volunteered to go instead of him. And I replaced him because only one brother can serve at a time in Vietnam. So I went, I turned out to be a platoon sergeant in combat. And then when I come back to Fort Benning, I was offered a, a commission uh, for, I guess, the, some of the work that I was doing in Vietnam and everything. But it, I grew up pretty quick at that point, 19 to 21 years of age. I was, I was grown. It, it, it makes a man out of you, to tell you the truth. But I didn't really get into talking about the UFOs. We, I mentioned it every once in a while when I was in my 20s. Uh, I went to school part-time and played music two or three nights a week. And, and I actually worked a day job five or six days a week. So I didn't really have a whole lot of time to sit around with groups and talk about my experiences. I, at that time, I just had the one. But I, in my notes, I remember I regressed. I even had a, I had a sighting even almost a year before 63. So it would be about 62 I remember being in my backyard. I kind of hung out by myself a lot of times. And I saw this uh, craft coming from the West, coming over my house that I lived in. I was just in the backyard. I saw this flashing blue light, pretty blue at the bottom. And it had a couple of lights in the front of it. And it come over me. And I, I stood there and looked at it. And I don't remember anything else except uh, when I went back in the house. We, there were so many of us kids. I had 10 brothers and sisters. I went back into the house and I laid down beside my brother in which we shared a, bre a bed and my legs got numb, everything got numb. And I felt that something was beside me in the bed, standing there to me on my, on my right side, I guess, at that time, at that point. But I tried to tell my brother, but I couldn't talk. I was just, I was just uh, kind of frozen and I couldn't tell him anything, but that incident kind of went by the wayside. And then a year later I had this incident with my, uh, best friend at the time. And we were just sitting around and talking on his steps. He, he lived in a downstairs apartment with his dad and we were talking. We had the 10 transistor radio and we we're drinking out of glass Pepsi bottles. So that'll date me right there. Just, just those items. So we were talking and we heard the radio snapping and popping. We thought, well, what's going on with that? And we smelled something that smelled like sulfur. And to this day, I don't really know what it was. Uh, they tell me ozone doesn't really smell that close to sulfur, but I think it did. It, I think it probably been ozone where it burned on the bottom of the craft as it come in. We saw some lights just above the treetops. They were just two small, bright white lights and a red light on the tail end of it. We went up to the road. We took the steps, went up to the road. He grabbed his dad's flashlight 
and he was messing with a flashlight. He was flashing it at this, this object. And we looked at each other and said, what is this? I said, oh, no, we hope it's not Martians. You know, back then they told you don't get close to UFOs or uh, uh, flying saucers, as they call them then. Right. Uh, because now, everybody, everybody did. Back in those days, it was always the Martians. Mm-hmm. My mom would always warn me, don't go up to them or don't, don't even get close to it or whatever, whatever you see. But we, were, we got up into this empty lot. It actually overlooked my backyard just it was an elevation of maybe about 12 feet up from my backyard and the craft was about 75 feet in the air right over my backyard is about 35 feet in diameter and it looked like one of these pudgy tops that you you take and crank them uh, you remember the old tops where you crank them and they sure. spin yep. it looked like that it was kind of pudgy like it almost reminded you of the nazis uh, first attempt at a flying saucer and I didn't see any signs on it or anything, but I, the first row underneath it was dark and, and black. The second row was kind of uh, big. It was uh, kind of bulky. And then the, the second row up had all the portals, the windows in it. And then on top, it had a, a top like figure. I don't know how wide it was, probably five, six feet wide. And it had an antennae sticking up. And being a young kid and noticing they had an uh, antennae sticking up i thought well that's communications you know they're talking to somebody so my buddy and i kept standing there and looking and we pinched each other to see if it was real and he was yeah he pinched me too hard and i said wow that hurt and so we you know like two young boys we were just messing around so we stood there and kept watching this thing it didn't really move or do anything except we both stood still the craft stood still and we did too and we were just waiting for the next you know, shoot a drop on this, on this situation. But I was looking at the the windows, the portals. I was afraid to see them. I was afraid to look at them. I didn't want to see an alien. And my friend, he picked up a little buzzing sound. Now I didn't pay attention to the buzzing sound. I was more visual and I was looking at the craft, the windows, paying attention to that. And that's when they say you have different witnesses that might just zone in on certain things. And, and my buddy said he heard the little buzzing sound. And I, I was more, like I said, watching it and, and being more, you know, uh, visualized what it, what could be, what these ETs could actually look like. So we stood there and it seemed like forever, but all of a sudden it was kind of, uh, it, it was, seemed like everything was over with. And this must've been about 1030 in the evening. And we're, it must've been close to midnight by the time we got home. But I believe we, I know from a couple of things that I'm going to tell you, we were taken on board that ship. Uh, my friend doesn't remember taking, being taken aboard the ship, but I told him that I had two regressed dreams. We were in a dark room. I was on a metal table and I couldn't get my shirt on. It was too small. It was actually his shirt. He was a smaller guy than me. I was always kind of a pudgy guy. So I couldn't get the shirt on, but eventually Apparently somebody helped us get our clothes on. And then we ended up back uh, in this empty lot. And I saw the craft take off. Not, now my friend didn't see it take off, but I did. I, it, it moved. It moved about, I don't know, maybe 30 degrees uh, to the north. And then when it took off, it just zoomed real fast, straight due west. And we stood there and looked at each other. And then we kind of woke up. And we, we said, wow, that was something else. We're going to go home. Uh, you know, we said we're going to go home and tell our parents. So he went home, told his dad, and his dad said, yes, son, just uh, that's, that's fine. You saw a UFO uh, or a flying saucer. Just go to bed. 
I went to my house and the door was locked and my mom was really mad. She opened the door. She, where have you been all this time? I said, it is, it's not late, mom. She goes, yes, it is. She said, get your butt in there. She said, I saw a UFO or a flying saucer. And she says, y'all UFO your butt, you know, like that. So I, I went in the house and that was it. Uh, but, and that dream I was just talking about, that was a regressed dream. And I talked to my buddy about it. But a month later, maybe three weeks, not quite a month, this is where the other shoe drops. And when I studied journalism, I know you guys are all into the journalism thing. You wait for the, you wait for the facts to fall in line. Uh, it may take a, you know, a little while, but what happened three weeks later, I felt something in my left testicle area and it was a little lump. And I looked at it and there was a line cut. It was a red line, real thin red line about an inch long. And I wondered, well, what is that? And then I got that lump up into that red cut and I had enough sense about me being only 14. I thought, well, I'm going to push this thing out of that cut, that uh, pre-made cut. So I pushed it out. It looked like an Advil tablet. It was real ashy, uh, white, whitish color. And as I held it out of my hand, it started turning brown. The, I guess the oxygen hit it and it started changing. I guess that's how they make them to deteriorate as soon as they're out of your body. So I showed it to my mom and she goes, throw that thing away. It's probably just an ingrown hair. I said, no, mom, it's not. She said, what do you mean? It's not. I said, there was a hole cut for it. I said, it was an inch hole and it was red line. And she stopped. And then that kind of hit her, I think, where I, I got to her. Finally, she was a little afraid herself to actually admit it, that something was, you know, just wasn't right. She said, throw it away. So I did throw it away. So that was the last that I, except we talked around about, you know, I talked to the army guys when I was in the army and they would just laugh at me back then. A lot of people didn't have a, an open mind for UFOs or flying saucers too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can see them in the movies, but not in real life. Have you found that's changed just in the last year or two years? Yes. Yes, I have. Uh, I found that a lot of people will tolerate me. Uh, <laughs> that's tolerate. You know, it's, it's uh, you, you wait you just wait for certain groups. There's certain out there's, I, I, when I go to church and I mention it to some of the, the church guys and they looked at me strange and they said, we don't believe in that crap. And I said, Oh, okay. I better not talk about this to any, uh, you know, uh, real religious people because they don't agree with that because <clears throat> we're supposed to be the only life form in the universe, but they don't know we have multiple universes and there are a bunch of life forms out there. So there's certain groups that don't, that don't believe in it and they can't because of their, uh, their doctrine or whatever. So, yeah. 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 That's certainly um, going to be an upcoming issue as more and more disclosure, you know, happens from both more people coming forward and the government having to give more and more information, you know, it's not going to happen quick. No. Um, <clears throat> Al, and let me ask Alex a question. Sure, go did ahead. You, did, did you find it interesting? I mean, did it open your mind more when you read the, some of the government um, reports and you saw the videos that the Air Force had released or the Navy? I mean, did that change your skepticism at all? Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it definitely feels like there's a real shift and that the tide is turning and you know, like you were saying, Dave, you know, people are becoming more and more open about this, more comfortable. Right. 
is the more and more people that jump on board, uh, they I tell you what, there's a lot of people will listen to the shows that I have, you know, like DNN and they'll listen. Sometimes I'll have a call in show. We've been doing pre-records for a month now, but, uh, when I have call-in shows, there's people that'll, that'll call in and ask questions. And someone will say, I think I've been abducted, but I don't know. I don't know if I have or not. How do I know? And I said, well, there's been books written about this, that 50% of the people that's been abducted, they don't know. They have the slightest idea or clue that they've been abducted. Yeah. And that's the big thing out there. And it's been a lot of people abducted. Uh, I know I was abducted uh, several times and I knew some people don't know when they're abducted, but there were several times I knew I was being abducted. So but isn't it true, though, David, that if you've, you know, according to people like um, Dr. Jacobs, <clears throat> that if you've been if you have a few memories that you've probably been abducted hundreds of times. Yes. Do you yes. agree with that? Yes. I've actually talked to Dr. David Jacobs about 12 years ago. Uh, he was at a convention and I told him about my abduction process and uh, I told him that. I think I fought off an abduction. He laughed. I said, you don't believe me? He said, oh, I believe you. You're not fighting it off. He said, when you feel that electricity hitting your body, that static electricity, he said, they're bringing you back. I said, oh, so that changed my whole thought. That changed my whole idea of when, when does it start? When is it in? Yeah. So, yeah. But no, after that, I, I really was uh, so busy and I partied a lot, uh, got married and got busy in that area. But I, I didn't have any real incidents happen until, let's see, this was 63. I saw things in the sky, okay, like orbs. I don't count orbs anymore. I don't even think about orbs since I've seen these craft close up. I, I, when I see an orb in the sky, I say, oh, that's, that's, could that be a satellite or could that be a UFO? We don't really know if they're long distance. But the first, the next incident I had, and I, this is a, a real ET that I saw face to face. Uh, it was, uh, 95, 1995. I was, I was at the refinery and I was working some, a lot of ours and I had an adopted daughter that she come through our bedroom to go to the medicine cabinet and get aspirins or pills, you know, for her aches and pains. So I thought it was her coming in the room and it was really dark because, uh, my wife at the time, she put, like rugs or whatever over the windows uh, besides the, the blinds and everything to darken the room. So when I saw something walking across the mirror, I thought it was, I thought it was my adopted daughter. So I, I took my, you know, my right hand and I cupped my uh, chin in my, in my hand. And I was looking, I called out her name about three times and I wondered why isn't she answering? And then I saw this dark shadow come around the end of the bed and then I looked and I changed my hand, my, uh, my chin in my left hand, I was cupping it and I was looking and I thought it was going to be my adopted daughter. And it wasn't, it was just a little guy about three and a half feet tall. And he was just about maybe a foot over my bed. My bed was kind of high at that time. And I could see his face and he didn't have the black shields on. He, he, I guess he had the shields off because it was, it was nighttime and I guess it didn't bother his light, his eyes, but his eyes looked almost like, like human eyes, except they were larger, about twice as big. And his face was really wrinkled. I mean, you see these commercial little grays, you know, with the real smooth skin and everything. Well, this guy, he was so wrinkled. He looked like a prune 
and he was kind of like a greenish gray in color. And uh, he stared at me and I got scared for about five or six seconds. I was really scared. All of a sudden I, I fell out. I must have fell asleep where he knocked me out. I don't know what happened after that. Uh, I don't remember a thing after that, but I got up about an hour later or so. And I asked the wife, I said, did you hear or see anything? She goes, no, go back to bed. I couldn't go back to bed. I was too stirred up. So this happened about one 30 in the morning. It was about two 30 when this, when I got up and I went to the bathroom, my eyes were fluttering like a nervous tick. I couldn't stop them from, from moving. And so I splashed cold water on my face and I walked around a little bit, try to walk it off. I knew I couldn't go back to sleep. I was, I was just, I said, my God, you know, this is scary. So I went in and watched TV. Uh, I got up to go to work anyway at five o'clock or five 30. So I didn't have to sit there too long. Uh, and again, I went to work and I told the guys what I saw and they laughed. So I'll, I try it out on two or three people. And if they laugh, then I don't tell anybody else. So I, I just kind of keep it to myself. But that's uh, that was the second incident that I saw this little. Well, let's, let's just uh, hang on that one for just a minute. So when you're seeing a creature in your home, right? Right. Me and Alex were talking about that before you came on. That has to be the most unsettling thing that could ever happen to a person. Yes. Because your safety, your security is completely the rug is pulled right off from under you. Right. Did How did you handle all that, Dave? Well, being militarily trained and focused, uh, I was a, uh, I was one of these gung ho soldiers, always volunteered for missions uh, in Vietnam, but the captain, the old man wouldn't let me go. He said, I had a platoon to run and I, they need me there. And I said, okay. So I stay focused. I think it's because of, the combat thing, but I get scared. I sure do. I, I really, I get scared. It was a short time after that. I was laying, I was single at this time. I was by myself about 98 when I, when I went through the big D and uh, all of a sudden in the, in the closet, but one, one morning about one thirty, two o'clock, I was getting, getting up to go use the bathroom. And when I got up and I looked, there was a small, probably about a five foot or, or so tall reptilian looked like a young reptilian. It had a face like a cobra and I don't like snakes. I don't like poisonous snakes. I'm a little bit afraid of them. I jumped out of that bed. And when I did, and I looked back, it was gone. They say, sometimes they'll show themselves to you. And then, then they just disappear. What they're doing is saying, okay, we've been here. We've already done what we're going to do. We're just letting you know, giving you a little piece of information for you to chew on. That's what they do. They only give you so much information. Uh, and even in a, a regressed dream, uh, you can only retrieve so much. I don't like hypnosis because uh, I think when they, they hypnotize you, they plant a seed. And that seed grows in the wrong direction. And I like, I like it coming from my own uh, subconscious in a regressed dream. I like it coming from there because it's showing me what's in my memory that I, I only know or have access to the subconscious. So I've had several regressed dreams and I've seen some things in my regressed dreams in which were pretty fascinating. Uh, you don't want to account all dreams, just like in writing my book, uh, you know, for you guys to take a look at, I put like a lot of dreams in my notes, in my original notes, uh, it was a ledger. I called it and it was really thick. 
And so I'm boiling it down to only certain dreams will I put in this book because I want to direct the dreams to an ET association or something that I was attached to, or at that time I saw a UFO or I saw an ET. So I will attach those dreams, regress dreams to my, my stories and my events and my experiences, but not the other dreams. If they have somebody else in them, I exclude them. And I've been Xing out a lot of those things. And you guys, you, if you guys take my project and you edit the book, you might see that the dreams may, may want to do a different book on a dream or something. So what, so what's been your scariest, scariest moment where your, your heart was racing, you know, what got your heart beating really, really quick. Okay. The, the abduction I had in 2011, 2010, I'd say 09, 2010, 2011, 2012 were really big years up until last year, about a year or so ago. But what really got me going is I met this. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. This Japanese gal in Sedona, Arizona. And I was actually told I was going to meet her by a spiritualist. She was a Native American spiritualist. And I had a buddy who writes ghost books and he's an investigator, a researcher. He told me to go to her. Well, when I went to her, she told me, she said, well, you got, you got a, a little back problem. I said, no, I'll give that to you. I kind of maybe was slumped over when I walked in or something, but then she went on to tell me she got a little perturbed, but she went on to tell me your car will be damaged on a trip. You're going to take, you're going to take a trip soon. Right? I said, how'd you know? She said, my guides are telling me this. And I said, wow, she's probably one of the best I've ever seen or been to. But she told me your car be damaged, but you'll be able to see your friends in New Mexico and you'll be able to finish your trip. But then she said on October 4th, she said, where are you going to be October 4th? I said, that's, that's what about when I start my trip. She said, you're going to meet your first alien in person. I said, really? She said, yes. And she looks at me like I don't believe her because I don't, I don't get into psychics that much. But with her, she was different. She knew stuff and she was right. She told me five different things, but all of them really panned out correctly. It just, she was, this is phenomenal. And I went back to her two weeks after I got back from my trip and I told her, well, I met this, this Japanese gal uh, at uh, Cathedral Rock. Those who know uh, Sedona, I went there to take pictures because I went to the shop. Uh, it was about six o'clock in the evening, 630 I went to the shop and they said, yeah, they just saw a UFO at Cathedral Rock. So I took my Sony cam and I went up there and I knew where it was at because I was, I was there a year before. I got out, started filming and then pulled behind me a, a little white car. 
I look around and this uh, Japanese gal looked like she's about five, four, maybe five, five. And she was slim, of course, but she looked like she may be in her early thirties. She come up to me with her hands folded and she kind of smiled at me. She just stood there. And I said, are you waiting for people? She goes, no. I said, are you, are you going to take a hike? I said, it's going to start raining. It starts sprinkling. She goes, no. She said, I'm supposed to meet you. I said, you're supposed to meet me. I said, do you know me? She said, yes and no. And I said, wow. I said, okay. I said, that's strange. I, I told her my name and she told me her name, Hiroko Maeda. And I said, okay. And I said, uh, it started raining. I said, you want to get in the car and we can maybe talk or whatever. She sat in the, in the seat and we started talking. It was cool that evening. She just had a little white, thin sweater on, a little tank top, and she had denims and they were muddy. And they were muddy from the day, the previous day. She didn't have any earrings, no watch, no cell phone, no purse, no makeup, nothing. She was just plain. I mean, she, she didn't carry anything. And she got in my car and I started talking to her. She started, uh, they, they call this emotional, uh, they pull emotions from you so they can learn how to be like a human. They want, they got to learn emotions. She was in training. I had uh, Daryl Sims talk to me about that. He said, she sound like she was in training to be a walk-in or a, you know, a, an alien that walks amongst us. But she said her parents fought a lot and she was really sad. She started putting on a cry and it was a fake phony cry. And I put my hand on top of her hand. Her hand was really burning hot. I mean, above fever pitch. And I pulled it off and I said, are you okay? Said, Interesting. I said, your body is so hot. I said, wow. I said, it's cool out there. And I said, you're a small lady. I said, that doesn't make sense. And uh, there was a guy that pulled it beside me. And I think I mentioned to you earlier, Doug, about being followed. Well, there's a guy who pulled up beside me. He looked like he was in his mid-20s. He had a headset on, and he had close-cropped hair. He never looked at me. He pulled a one, one space over from me, and he pulled in. And I looked at her, and I said, okay, that's fine. About five minutes later, he pulls out. Well, 10 minutes later, he comes back, parks in the same place. I started getting a little afraid that I was being set up. And I looked at her, and I said, you know him. I said, am I being set up? She goes, no. I looked at my, my console and in my console, I had a license to carry a gun and I had a gun there. And I said, well, if they're going to make some kind of a move, I want to be ready for it. But then she stared at me with dark eyes and she kind of like pierced my, my head as I told her, I said, Hiroko, would you stop staring at me? I said, you're burning a hole in the back of my head. She had very strong eyes. And what she did is she calmed me down. She said, don't, it's kind of like they dumb you down. They say, don't do anything. Don't grab a ball bat. Don't grab a weapon. Don't grab your camera. Just sit back and observe or talk when I ask you to talk. And then she asked me, she said, could you read this for me? And it was in English. It was a little card that I had on, on one of those little, I guess, uh, necklaces or whatever. And she, I read it to her and she told me, I speak 20 languages. I said, 20 languages? She said, yes. She said, but I can't read English. I can talk English, but I can't read it. And I said, wow. I said, are you an alien? She looks at me real intent. I mean, she was just, it was just so intense. I felt like, okay, I need to back off. And then I asked her how old she was. And then she come on point again. She said, there is no age. There, there are no years 
why do you people worry about age and years? I said, okay, okay, I'll settle down. <laughs> so she, I, I said, you could probably kick my butt. And I guess she knew what I meant. She looked at me, she said, yes. And I knew that uh, she had this power of dumbing me down. So not only did that car, the guy that pulled up next to him, he pulled up there the third time after another 15 minutes. And I kept an eye on him and the whole situation. It's just, and I tried to keep conversation with her, but it was, it was kind of hard to, to focus in that when you're worried about somebody to your left. And then you got, you got this person who's got all kinds of red flags popping up. You don't even know who she is or what she is. And I, I had an idea that she was uh, an ET about halfway through our conversation by some of the things that she was, she was saying, some of the questions she was trying to elicit my emotions from me about what would I do if a coworker didn't like you and they argued with you. I said, well, I'd try to make peace. I said, if you fight somebody in a workplace, you're going to be fired. I said, so try to make peace. If you can't, then just move on. So I told her it was getting late. It was about an eight 30 or so nine o'clock. And I said, well, I guess we'll take off. And uh, can I catch you for breakfast tomorrow? And she goes, yes. I said at nine 30 and I told her the place. And uh, it's, it's that 101 omelet place in Sedona. You guys have probably been there, but she actually met me there at nine 30. She was a little late, but there was a message being sent to me that she was coming and I knew she was coming and, and but she was about 10 minutes late. She pulled up, we went in and we were standing there waiting to uh, in a line, not in a line. People were kind of moseying around the gift shop there. She looks at these people in a funny way. And she said, all these people, I look at her when she said that, and I made note of all the strange things that she said. And I, I, when I went to my room that the first night, I started making notes on a yellow pad, a uh, little yellow legal pad. And I started making notes about what she said and what she did. I said, wow, you know, that's, uh, that's, you know, something else that she's, if she's from Japan, Tokyo, like she says, then that would be just that that would be just a few people, but there's thousands of people per block over in Tokyo. So I knew she was a little off on that. We, we had a breakfast. She didn't eat much. And I had water in the car. We went driving around the other buttes. I asked her, I said, what did you mean by we were supposed to meet? She said, just, she said, we're supposed to meet. You and I are supposed to meet. I said, why? And she wouldn't say nothing. She just stared at me. Uh, and then we, we finished our little run around, I guess, the, the town, the, the airport lookout and the buttes. And she was, uh, she got out and she listened to the wind and she, she said, do you hear that? And I said, yeah, that's the, the breeze coming through the buttes. She said, it's beautiful. So apparently where she's from, it's not so, not so beautiful. I, I don't know. I was gathering that, but we went up to uh, airport lookout and we sat there. And I was taking pictures. I got nine pictures of her. And uh, there was a, an older Japanese guy that was, he had all these, this camera gear on him and everything. He walked past us. He looked at me really funny. Like, and I asked her, I said, why didn't you say hi to him in Japanese? She said, that's rude. We don't, we don't say hi to our, our, our people back, back home. I said, why? I said, we do. I said, we run into an American. We were always saying, hi, how you doing? You know, everything like that. But she's, so it was the whole situation was kind of funny. He might've been her handler. Usually like Daryl Sims told me they, they have a handler, somebody that's a, that's a human that's here on earth. And they take care of these, these, uh, I guess, ETs, hybrids, shapeshifter. I don't know, Doug, you know, I just don't know what she really was. Uh, but 
then we left uh the next day she had she said she had to leave and i i left also that six o'clock that evening i was going to stay another day but after she left and it started raining sedona is not so pretty when it rains i was getting in my car and on the front porch of the lodge that i stayed in was a an old guy in a rocking chair and he looked like he was back from 1880 1870 he had an old dirty hat on he had you know boots boots on and he was rocking back and forth and he said i wouldn't leave right now if i were you i said what are you talking about he said he pointed up at the sky and that's the first time in 50 years that the flagstaff and the sedona area has ever had a tornado so i didn't know that but i was told that everything was going to be west of flagstaff and i was heading north to flagstaff and then east to new mexico i told him as i'm going opposite way he said i wouldn't leave if i were you so he knew uh, that I was going to run into this problem. And he was a dimensional, I'd say a dimensional uh, entity because I ran into another one like that in Sedona uh, the year before. And this guy come out of, I guess, time or something, dimension. And because I remember there was no rocking chair on that front porch. There was only two, uh, I guess, benches, you, you say, made out of logs. There were two benches. There, there was not. A rocking chair so sometimes it takes you a little while to catch on and say wow there's no rocking chair there how'd that old guy get that rocking chair on the porch and how did he know so much yeah for for people that don't know i've never been to sedona i've only been there once um i actually went there with stanton friedman of all people back um and then maybe early 2000s but um Everybody you meet there, it's like a mecca of UFO abductees, right. UFO witnesses, or witnesses, experiencers. You cannot go anywhere without people talking to you and being very friendly. Um, so if an experience like that is going to happen, it's definitely going to happen yeah. in Sedona. Right. Such yeah. a bizarre, beautiful place. Yes. But boy, it's like no other place I've ever been in the world. It's really different. Yeah, it's got a subtle energy there. And yeah, a lot of colleges have tried to do some studies on it. They really can't pin the energy down. It's a subtle energy, so it's hard to really track. But the question is, why have so many people migrated to that one city mm -hmm. um, that are into UFOs? What is, the, what is the calling? You know, why is it that every single person you meet there is either an abductee or a UFO experiencer? It's, yeah. Kind of weird. Work. Yeah. And they had UFO tours. They had these guys in these little uh, shuttle buses that would take people around to different places. And they, uh, it was a UFO tour. They call it one of them where it was anyway. But I went there because it's beautiful. And also, I did witness some things there that uh, out of this world, I, I, I witnessed another dimensional. Uh, I call this dimensional because I can't call him ET. I was sitting on the front porch of the lodge. And I was sitting there smoking a cigar and I shouldn't have been smoking. I quit. Yeah, that's fine. But there was this car, 57 Chevy station wagon pulled up in front of the lodge. And it was a rock driveway like, and they pulled up out pops this woman that looks like she just jumped right out of the fifties. She had a long skirt on and a, a top, a, a long sleeve blouse on. And she walked directly into the office, the manager's office. And then the other side, there was a guy who gets out. He about six feet tall. He was close cropped haircut. Also, he wore kind of like average clothes that, that a man would wear back in the fifties. 
but it was what he got out of the car in the back seat that really amazed me. It was a little girl around four or five years old. He had her on a dog leash and this had these semi-precious stones on this dog leash and had it around her neck. They sat, I guess, just about 12 feet from me. This guy never looked at me once. One thing about a lot of dimensional or even some ET experiences, they don't look you in the face or they don't show their face, especially dimensional. So this guy did not look at me. I looked at the little girl and she started barking like a little dog. And I thought they had a dog, but it was her. She had the sparkling little blue eyes, real short blonde hair. And she was kind of pale like, but she looked at me and her eyes would just sparkle. And then she would bark. I said, my, that's strange. You know, so I was dumbed down, I guess, by the energy that's around, I guess, when they come through a portal, time portal, whatever, they must've been time travelers or something, but I felt that energy. And I went back in my room, sat on the bed and it took me about a minute or two. And then I come to, and I shook my head. I said, wait a minute, that's illegal. You can't have a kid on a leash like that. And I was going out to tell him that I was going to call the cops. I said, take that leash off that girl, but they were gone. The whole thing was gone. I walked in, talked to the manager. His name was John said, John, did these people approach you? Did you see a little girl? He goes, no, there's been nobody in this office uh, for about an hour. I said, you gotta be kidding me. He looks at me, he says, you too. I said, what do you mean? He said, everybody sees something when they come to Sedona dimensional there. There's some kind of a dimensional portal there or something. He said, he said, don't think you're crazy. He said, you did probably see what you saw. He said, but that a lot of people do that. He said, they come to me all the time and say, I've seen this, I've seen that. So yeah, uh, that's a, uh, that's a strange thing about these dimensional things. It's they're different than ET run-ins uh, actually as a, as a dimensional entity that comes in through a portal, they don't interact with you. Uh, ETs do, if they're going to abduct you, they will interact with you or they will dumb you down and you'll know what they're doing, but dimensional you're, you just observe like the little, little guy and this, and this little girl on a leash and everything. So it, you just have to take it in and observe it. But when you're dumbed down, you, your, your mind changes about what you're, what you want to do. I mean, what is it that you're going to do? Uh, I've had a lot of people tell me that. And I had two guys that I had guests last night told me the same thing. They ran into a tall white alien and they said he had long blonde hair and pale. And they said he was, uh, he wanted to talk to him more, but he said his mind just wouldn't let him do it his mind wouldn't let him ask him to stay for a few minutes and talk because this, I guess this uh, ET dumbed him down and said, no, just don't talk about anything. Just, just, just relax. So that how, that's how it hits you. And that's how they keep control of us and abductions and everything else. Uh, but the follow-up, I did run into a lot of big hail. It damaged my car and it made this medium correct about my car being damaged, but I can drive it and finish my trip about $2,500 with a hail damage at that time. So she was right about that. I said, wow, she was right about that. And she's right about me meeting this, this uh, alien, this Hiroko. But the other shoe dropped six months later in Godfrey, Illinois, Southern Illinois, just where I live now. I just little, live a little ways from there now. But my cousin and I was sitting on my front porch and we were just, it was a March 17th, real nice day in the 70s is St. Patrick's Day uh, in 2011, six months after I ran in to Hiroko. Well, all of a sudden, there was three Japanese people who showed up about 200 feet 
from the house at the, at the road, excuse me, at the road there by the stop sign. My cousin looked at him. He said, who are these Chinese people coming this way? I said, they're not Chinese, they're Japanese. And he looks at me, he says, how do you know? I says, I think we're going to find out. So she stopped about halfway towards the house. She turned around where I couldn't see her face, but I saw the way she folded her arms and she had long, thin arms. And she, I saw the way she folded her arms. She had the same clothes, actually, the white uh, light sweater and the denims. And the two young guys walked up to us and they were about 10 feet from us, from the, off from the porch. They were standing in my driveway. One looked like he was about 14, 15. The other one looked like he was about 16. They were a little bit taller uh, than I, I would say a typical young Japanese man would be. But they asked one question. They said, where's the new Walmart here? I said, it's right over the overpass, about a quarter of a mile that way. And then the next words I wanted to ask, is that Hiroko with you? I couldn't get it out of my mouth. They hit us with this, whatever it was, it dumbed us down. I couldn't talk. My cousin couldn't talk. He usually talks a mile a minute. And it's just, he couldn't talk and I couldn't talk. I couldn't ask him if that was Hiroko or not. They just dumbed us down. And he must have walked past me and got into the, in my front door. He went and got this little pleather, uh, weatherproof uh, case that I carried around my notes in when I went out uh, and exploring for UFOs and ETs. He got that out and he was standing and he's looking at it and he kind of gave me dirty looks. He was looking at the notes that I had, I think, on his mother. I think uh, it was a, maybe, you know, a hybrid. Uh, so he looked at that and I thought, I didn't even think about it until later. And then he was, must have walked past me again. And he, uh, I didn't, I didn't find my original notes from that situation, but I did typewrite a lot of notes when I come, come back home. So he didn't get the typewritten notes, but he got my handwritten notes. Apparently he took those. I don't know why. I guess he wanted to show uh, his half mother or whoever she was, Hiroko. But then he walked back out. He didn't have the, the case with him. He must've walked in and put it back. And they started walking away and I started coming to myself when they got in front of my road and I, I watched them and I kept watching them where this going. Then my cousin finally woke up. He just kind of popped up and he said, what just happened? I said, I'll explain it to you. He said, let's watch these people where they go. So he says, this is the damnedest thing I've ever seen. I said, I said, hold on, just hold on. Let's keep watching. So we, they walked up to the stop sign and then we just, it just seemed like they were gone in a flash. We didn't even see them go. They just must have been, I guess, the uh, tractor beamed up and they were gone. We, we looked up and down the highway. We could tell which way they went. If they went to the left or the right, we could see it was open to us, open visually to us. So we could see we, they were just gone. They just disappeared. So that's, really? that's where, yeah, it's a, and my cousin, like I said, he didn't believe. He got up cussing. He cussed at me. He said, this is the damnedest thing I've ever seen. And he made, said a few other words. And I said, just chill out, cousin. I said, it's okay. I'll explain it to you. He said, I'm getting out of here. He said, these things are going to kill you. He said, you keep messing with them. I said, well, they haven't killed me yet. Hope they don't. <laughs> so he got in his car and he took off. And his wife told me the next day, said he, when he come home, he was pale white. He was shaking. And I said, well, he witnessed something that most people don't witness. And I said, uh, he witnessed uh, an ET visitation. And uh, I said, he might as well be, be feel blessed instead of scared. 
Interesting. <clears throat> Have you ever had, um, you know, woken with uh, strange marks, you know, on your body somewhere, Dave, besides the uh, the groin area when you were young? Yeah, uh, yes. Yes. When I was young, I, it's hard to tell when I was young because I was a kind of like a woodsy type young boy. We'd run around in the woods and and I'd always get scratches or scrapes. But so I didn't keep track of that. But in the later years, I've noticed in the past 20 years or so, I've noticed marks on my body. Some of them look like they're like three holes in a line. Uh, I got I got Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. I got a mark on my leg now that uh, is slow to heal, and it looked like three or four holes right across. I had the wife take a picture of it, and I've got a picture of a lot of the marks, and my wife even had a mark on her back. It looked like a scrape. You take a razor blade and just scrape the back. And we showed it to the doctors and the doctors couldn't, they didn't know what it was. Uh, the skin doctor said, well, I don't know what that is. Uh, did you, have you ever been cut or scraped lately? She goes, no. And I think what they were doing, they were checking her out since I'm married to her. They wanted to check out my whole environment, I guess. So, uh, she said that she's felt uh, touches on her, on her legs, on her feet. And she'd wake up and she'd say, they're here. I said, who's here? She said, I, I saw them. I said, who? She said, your buddies, uh, the little, she said, the little ant guys, she called them ant guys. She, she's not, she's not an ET person at all. She, she's more academic and she's more religious. So she doesn't get in into, but she believes what I've been through because she's seen things and she's actually seen a couple of uh, UFOs. Her and I together have seen things in the sky. So she's a believer. So she doesn't make it rough on me about it, but I try to keep a lot of stuff away from her because she doesn't want to know too much about it. She wants to keep a distance, but she tells me, you know, these things about, uh, she said, yes, I believe I've had the same dreams that I've had. You know, she was telling me that, that she has these dreams and they touch her and she wakes up and she jumps and she goes, did you just grab my leg? I said, no, honey, no. I said, she said, oh no. She said, I hate, I hate being, that people, just like you were saying, well, I'll go, Doug. She said, I hate people being able to get into this house. I said, well, they can walk through the walls. They're invisible. These ETs that I'm messing with, and I last year, uh, they were in my house, several of them. They're invisible, but I pick them up on my tri-field meter. Uh, I pick up the magnetism. I can, I can check the ambient electrical magnetism in a room and then go to the center of the room and make sure that the, the meter is reading zero all of a sudden that meter will start jumping like something's around it or it's around me. <clears throat> and I knew that there was something invisible moving around me. 
And because the needle would just jump all over the place. And my brother was here one time and he held it and it started jumping on him. He said, wow. He said, yeah, there's something here. And I said, well, take an ambient reading first before you take an actual middle of the room reading because you don't want it polluted with, with uh, electrical outlets and things of this nature. So uh, to read one of those things, you have to make sure that you cover your bases on it. So what, what, what kind of meter have you used? It's a tri-field meter. Oh, okay, sure. Um, I actually got one of those K2 meters, a ghost meter that I bought. It's quick. It's easy. Uh, a lot of times that when I've, I've felt these visitors, I haven't felt them here for a year now. They were here about a year or so ago. Uh, and my K2 meter, the light, it would go all the way to the red. It would just wind out uh, when, they were, when they were walking around or they were in a room. Uh, I've, I've heard noises, things fall over, boxes fall over. Uh, and when my wife was gone, that period is in, in, in 2020, uh, starting in February, when she went to the Philippines to see her grandson born, I stayed here, uh, handled the home side. So, but these things come and visit me while she was gone. I don't know if there's any reason for that or whatever, but they, they set my alarms off my motion sensors downstairs and these things work great. They never fouled up. They never give me false reading. One night they started going crazy all night. Uh, this was in February 6th when this started. And I thought I took my weapon and I took my bright light. And it's like, I looked at my weapon. I looked at myself when I sat down and I put it to the side and I said, there's no weapon against these things. These are ETs. And I kind of laughed at myself. And so uh, I looked all over. I couldn't find nothing all night, all night long. It went off on February 6th. My wife called me about eight o'clock in the morning, the, the next morning. And then I had my last, uh, I guess, sensor went off and it, it made a noise and she heard it. She said, they're there, aren't they? I said, who do you mean? I, she said, your buddies. She called them buddies. She didn't want to call them ETs. She said, your buddies are there. I said, yes, they are. I said, I said, I, I don't know how long they're going to be here, but they were here for about two months. And I got several pictures and uh, a lot of orbs, uh, pictures, videos. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I've had some touches and I had some marks on my body actually. Uh, so one of another phenomenon that, that I've noticed here lately, the last, I didn't know it was uh, new this past year, but about three years ago, I started freezing. Uh, I mean, I told the doctor about this. I I'm laying in bed, the room 69, 70 degrees. I had, blanket on and a, and a sheet on also. And my wife did too. So I don't get cold because I'm a warm blooded person anyway, but about three o'clock in the morning, it never fails. Sometime between 3 AM and 5 AM is when things start happening. That's the bewitching hour. And that's been that way for me. Well, I woke up three years ago, the first incident happened and my arms and my body were frozen. I thought I was dead. Actually, I thought maybe I died in my dream and I'm just dreaming this. And, and I felt my arms and they were ice cold. My body was shaking. The whole bed was shaking. I'm surprised the wife didn't wake up. And I went to the bathroom and I, I was shaking so much that I had to sit down to pee. And I, I sat there and I said, Oh my God, what's wrong. And I was shaking everywhere. I was just frozen. It wasn't chills. It wasn't being cold. It was frozen. That's what I told the doctor. I've told a couple of doctors and they said, well, I've looked at your charts. You don't have anything to cause that. She said, you don't have diabetes. 
Uh, you don't have the heart. You have had heart disease, but you don't have it now. She said, there's no reason for you to be that cold. She said, next time that happens, get a thermometer and check your, your temperature. And I said, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I said, when you're, when you're going, when you're scared and you're freezing to death and you're shaking, you don't know what's going on. That's the last thing you're going to think about is getting a thermometer unless you have somebody there that, that's ready to do that. It's just like taking a picture of a UFO. They pop up all of a sudden and you can't get a picture. They're gone. It happens so fast and you want to watch them so that you don't miss anything with your eyes, but you end up not getting a picture if you don't have the camera on you right away. Mm. This has happened now to me four times. It happened uh, two weeks ago, the last time it happened. And I talked to another doctor about it, talked to three different doctors. Why am I waking up frozen? I've, I've read some information on some of that. And they said that when your energy is drained from your body, something's draining the energy from your body you will get really cold. Uh, it's just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I that's just an opinion or a yeah, because usually, <clears throat> excuse me, when you get in your sixties, you wake up with night sweats, not, not right. freezing. Right. Yes. Yes. This is, I mean, this is freezing. This isn't cold. This is not chills. This is actually, I should like, a, I should be dead type freezing. Yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah. And this has happened four or five times. I read my notes as I'm writing this book. I, I go back and I see, I said, wow, this is not new. This happened to me in 2017. And yeah. now it's been happening more the past year. And I have these visitations. But one of the things besides the, uh, during that time in 2011, I guess I'm just going to cover some, some of the high points. Uh, Doug, if you have something else you want me to go. Well, to. I was going to, I was just going to jump before you get into that. Okay. <clears throat> have you heard of any legitimate um, reports of somebody actually taking a firearm and shooting one of these creatures? Uh, only the air force. There was an air force uh, colonel. Uh, he said in some air force base out in Utah or somewhere, they shot an ET that uh, they saw the craft. But then they saw this ET. It's a gray. He's a gray guy, maybe three or four feet tall. And they shot him. The MP shot him and, and actually killed him. But then I heard that this craft come down and retrieved his body uh, from that's the, the one thing I heard. But also the crash, these uh, like in Roswell yeah. uh, and other locations, they have bodies. Uh, Yuri Geller, he was on on our show two weeks ago. And I talked to him and I was interested in his Werner von Braun story. And I had him repeat it because he told that to me on the phone. Uh, you know, if he lives in Israel, but he was telling me some stuff on the phone and also on, on email, we were talking very interesting guy. And uh, he is a real, he's a real, he's the real deal. Really. Uh, what's, the, what's the log line on the Werner von um Okay, here's here's what happened. Now, Yuri Geller could could bend metal spoons. And yep, things. I remember that. Yep, yeah. when I was a that kid, was, yep. that was one of his first gigs. But he got out of that and he started doing psychic readings for big shots and people with money. And he got involved. His one of his best friends were Michael Jackson, uh, Elvis Presley. He knew he knew a lot of these big people, and uh, he was just he was able to get around all these people. He said he said he don't know why he was just a spoon bender, and he he got he got high up on the totem pole as far as being friends with these people, but Von Braun heard about him. So Werner Von Braun, he's a scientific guy anyway, and he knows about ETs because he actually pointed up the sky one time in an interview. He said, they tell him everything about missiles. So they, he called in Yuri Geller 
it was a he went out to New Mexico uh, where uh, Von Braun was working and they called him in the office and he comes in and he has his brother with him. Uh, Yuri does. And I guess he helps him set up production or whatever. But he he told Von Braun, Yuri did. He said, I'm not really proud of what you you've done as a Nazi. You've killed a lot of people. He said, don't you feel bad? That's when he come out. He started talking to Von Braun like that. And Von Braun looked at him and said, do you believe in life after death? And uh, Yuri says, yes. And he says, well, I just ended these people's lives early and they went to a better place. That was his thinking. That was what he was saying that, that made it all okay. You know, he's forgiven, but that's not the case really. Uh, you end somebody's life early. That's bad. That's not good. But then he said, I heard a lot about your powers. He goes, he gets into his, his desk drawer, pulls out a ring, puts the ring in his hand. He said, if you can bend this ring, he said, I will show you some stuff. He goes, okay. He cups his hand and Yuri kind of looks at his hand for a while. And he said, okay. And he lifts it and the ring was bent. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He says, wow, you are real, aren't you? And uh, Yuri says, I hope so. He says, let me show you something. He goes into a little safe. He pulls out some metal. It's a, a small piece of sheet metal. And he says, tell me where this come from. And he holds it. And Yuri said, it's not from here. He said, it's from out there somewhere, outer space. And Von Braun says, you're correct. He said, you're right. He says, since you're, you're batting a, a, a thousand, he said, let me take and show you something. So he gets, gets in a limousine. They go out to this bunker. And as he makes his brother stay outside, and there's a couple of Marines guarding this bunker, he has his brother stay outside. So he goes in, Yuri goes in with Von Braun. They put on these Arctic jackets, these coats. And then they, he says, he's wondering why they're putting on these heavy coats. So they, he took him to this big freezer room. He opens the door and he says, look, Yuri looked, but even to this day, he's under top secret. He cannot say what he saw. But he says, he looks into the camera and he says, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to tell you what I saw. And he says, try to read my mind. I know what he saw. He saw dead bodies of aliens. They had a couple of dead bodies there in that, uh, that bunker. And he said, what he saw changed his life. You know, from then on out, he said his whole life kind of changed <laughs> after seeing that. That's an interesting story. I, I oh, oh, it's really interesting. So Yuri Geller said he saw aliens. He didn't say it. He he kind of looked in the camera and he said, you know what I saw? Read my mind. I can't tell you. I'm, I'm forbidden to tell you because of the top secret. But it was alien bodies. What else is going to be in a, in a big freezer room? Yeah. Not parts of a, a craft. It's going to be a body. So yeah. you know, without him saying it, it's you, you can just pick that story up. Well, Jackie Gleason was shown the same thing. Uh, President Nixon showed him uh, in a base down in uh, Florida. Yeah, I've heard that story. Yeah, it's in his book. His wife actually, you know, confessed to that story. And I don't know if she's still alive or not, but she was uh, she finished the book or whatever. But that story is in there. And she said it's for real. 
Yeah, and for people that don't know who uh, Werner von Braun was, he was the developer of this many rockets, rocket technology, but the Saturn One rocket that right. pretty much got us to the moon, I guess. Yes, and yeah. he knew how to get us there. For yeah. some, he said he said they helped us. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that was very interesting. So I had to break in and 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 yeah. talk no, about that's that. an interesting side story. Yeah. So yeah, this German Nazi scientist comes to to um, you know work for the United States government, and boy, he brought a lot of technology. Yes, uh, my mom and my family. Uh, I write in the book occasionally about my mom seeing things. She's ninety four now, and she she knows what I'm going through. She has told me stories. She doesn't tell the rest of the boys, the rest of my brothers and my older brother, uh, Jack, he says, why doesn't she tell me those stories? I said, maybe she thinks you won't understand. She says, because she knows I'm an experiencer and I've been through all this. My mom has seen a tall, dark, thin shadow figure come down the hall into her room. And some years ago, this started. And her and some of my younger brothers have actually seen UFOs. And I know my mom saw this big triangle UFO back in 2011, April 9th of 2011, when this huge triangle about 830 in the evening come right over my driveway. And it was only about 35 feet up. It actually, it hit the tree top on the other side of the, uh, my, my street, this other house, it hit the tree top there. And my mom and two brothers saw it also. And something funny about my mom back then, let's see, that's 10 years ago. She was about 85, I guess then. And she said, I was afraid to go out on the porch. She said, I didn't want to be abducted. Now, where does an older person get that idea unless she's been familiar with what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she didn't, but she saw the craft. She out of her picture windows and she was scared. Uh, It had two big bright lights on, on either back corner. And in the front, it had two big glass globes. They looked like glass, about 15 feet long, and they're about five or six feet wide. And there's two of them up front. Down the middle was a grooved out section. And then, then there's a big round thing. It looked like a it's slatted, slatted metal. And there was a little hissing and buzzing from that. From that. That's the only sound I heard because it went right over me. And I was real close to it. I was only about, I guess, 30 feet, 35 feet away from it. And I saw these slats and I heard that buzzing, hissing. Then there's a little red light on the tail end of it. It looked to be like a gray, dark gray metallic uh, color. And it was, it covered nine houses. It covered the whole street. It's how big it was. And it just took off to the South and it was gone. And I called my mom and I said, did you see that? And my mom said, see it. My God, I'm shaking like a leaf. And I said, don't worry about just settle down. It's okay. They're not going to come back and get you. So they're gone. I said, I said they took off, but it was a huge craft. And that was one of those moments that I didn't have a camera on me and I didn't have the time to, to do that. I saw the two bright lights coming towards us, the neighborhood there. And I watched it and I had my brother on the phone. I said, I'm going to hang up and I got to watch what's going on here. So it flew right over me. The center was right over me. I kind of felt like it was like Hiroko saying goodbye uh, that, you know, the, the alien that I met, uh, I had one person who was a, a medium. She was a, she was kind of a, she wasn't a psychic. She didn't declare herself that either. And I walked by her at a convention in Arkansas. I'd, I'd go to these UFO conventions down there and I had a lot of friends. We went down there and we had a good time. I walked by this, these uh, 
these little, I guess they got these little, uh, sales booths that they sell art articles in and they're in that was in the basement. I walked by this gal and she looked at me and she says, come here. I want to talk to you. I said, no, I don't want a reading. That's what she was doing. She was doing a hand readings or whatever. I said, no, I don't need a, re a reading. And then she said, no, I want to talk to you about the daughter you met. I said, what? She said, you met a, your daughter, didn't you? She's an alien. I said, then I went back to her and I said, can you finish what you're saying? <laughs> she said, she said, I said, I got a picture of her in my, in my room. I said, you want to see, she said, no, I'll tell you what she looks like. She's got a square jaw and, and the high cheekbones like you. And I said, yeah, I said, she didn't look total Japanese. She said, right. And she, she was, that was amazing. I, I saw, I was kind of dumbfounded. I said, wow, how did she know that? And she just picked me out. She said she felt my energy. Uh, so that's what Yuri Geller told me when I sent him a, an email uh, ask, asking to be on the show. He said, I get 50 people a week ask me to be on their shows. He said, the reason why I'm answering your email and your request, he says, because I felt your energy. And I wanted to tell him, well, I, I think I got that energy from, from, from ETs. Uh, and I'll tell you how I know that. Uh, I'll, fin I'll f finish up. You, you, want, you want me to talk about the two real big abduction things that happened to me? Well, yeah, <clears throat> you, you had mentioned, excuse me, <clears throat> um, you had mentioned the, um, this creature that had like white rings around it. I want to hear yeah. about that okay. before we yeah. run out of time, David. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Uh, and I think uh, Alex, I don't know if he's still with us, uh, but uh, Alex. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, you saw the Michelin Man pictures, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to you want to talk about that a little yeah. bit more? Yeah, uh, this was one. This I had it on the print or just a single shot on my camera, my trail camera. And this thing was started up my stairs and then the, the camera picked it up. And it, it took a picture of his leg and his side. And he had these round concentric circles around his, his pant legs and up his body. And that's why they call him Michelin Man. It's a white uh, spacesuit that he has on. And uh, I guess he's got a helmet, but I didn't see his head, except he went up one step. And then the camera shot him again, I guess, a couple of seconds later. Uh, he got up a couple of steps. And then when he went up the top, all you see is his head peeking over the side. And I tried to go up that wall. I don't have any, uh, I, I don't have any, you know, anything at the bottom. I don't have any uh, structures that, that look like that. I, it has no post. There's no stair post. Oh, <clears throat> but what did you see with your own naked eyes, David? Didn't see him. The camera picked it oh, up. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Just a, just, so you had, you had set up what uh, camera traps in your home. Right. I had it set up in my, in my, uh, on my kitchen table. And that's why I was telling you, Linda Moulton Hall asked me, why would you have a trail cam sitting on top of your kitchen table? And she thought I was faking it. I said, gotcha. I said, Linda, I said the night before my alarms went crazy. And I said, I felt a presence. And I said, that's why I was ready for him the next night. She said, Oh, okay. Um, she said, I'm glad you explained that. I said, yeah. I need to explain that because I didn't set it out there just to try to make something up. I set it out there because I knew I was getting some kind of strange, weird traffic in the house because my motion sensors were just going crazy. Yeah, I can I can vouch this. You 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 sent me some stuff 
you didn't send that much. So I know you don't have a ton of stuff. It's not like, yeah, yeah I do. People who are hoaxing, they just have tons and tons of pictures. Yeah. I, I got some shots of uh, some orbs. I got a shot of, uh, I call it the bright man. It's in the right hand side. I think I might have sent that uh, to you and Alex. I don't know if you saw, but it's a, it was a tall figure. It was really bright. It seemed like he come in the room and he, cause he went back. The camera picked it up. I had it on the bottom of my steps. I kind of changed position of the camera. And it, this thing was standing between the hallway and the kitchen. And it seemed like it come in. And there was an energy streak that come through the bottom of the door and up, up to him. And he went backwards. And then all these orbs floated in my kitchen. And I've got that. That's a video that I have. It's the, it's a, I guess it could have been somebody just, it could have been the Michelin man coming in. But also that same night, I got that reptilian on, on the uh, video, and I wish I can get that cleaned up to where I can, I can get that more visual. But what, what do you think these things want, David? I mean, that's, that's my big question. I, I think they've been following me uh, because I, I, I've had implants, and when I go through the, uh, the TSA checkpoints, uh, they see these orange spots on my body when you go through that thing that rotates around you. That's happened to me twice, once in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, and once in Seattle, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, Seattle wasn't San it was Seattle. And they spotted these orange spots on my body. There's a silhouette on the outside of that machine, and they stopped me, and they, and they, they grabbed my arm, and this guy hurt me. I said, Did well, they pat you down then? They, they yeah. start patting you down? Yeah, he looked scared. He, he looked really, I said, there's nothing uh -huh. to be worried about. I said, he said, let's go over here and we're going to get another agent. We're going to, we're going to pat you down and we're going to wand you. And then we're going to, we're going to take these swabs and touch, you know, you know, right. using your arms and your face looking for explosives. Yeah. And uh, they couldn't find anything. He gave me a red card. He said, now take this to the person at the reservation desk before you get on. And I said, what does this mean? He said, I can't tell you what it means is watch this guy uh, because the orange spots showed up on me twice at two different airports. And I was taken to the side twice and it really checked out. Uh, they even hollered at me and I had a handkerchief in a in back pocket and they said, what else you got? I said, a handkerchief. And, I, and this gal said, pull all your pockets out, pull them all out. Now. Can't yeah. you get an MRI, David? Uh, yeah, I've actually got an x-ray, uh, I haven't had a, I had a heart MRI uh, here a while back, but electronics sometimes don't work on me like a, like an EKG or something. They kind of go a little crazy on me because of my electricity in my body. My wife complains about my electricity when I touch her. I can actually shock her when I touch her at night. Uh, I put my hand on her leg or her arm or something. She said, that hurts. You know, she said, you got electricity. And uh, so uh, how I got that electricity. I'll, I'll try to be real quick about this. Do you have, do you have street lights go out when you drive under them or I have, I do have electronics that don't work for me. My cell phone a lot of times won't work for me. Like when I'm taking pictures, I can't, I can't hit the, the, the dot where it won't work. And then I give it to somebody else and it works. Uh, uh, so I have to, yeah, electronics are kind of little, it, it all depends on what kind of a mood I'm in and how much energy that's, that's flowing. Uh, and I know the night that I got all this, uh, it was, it was a, uh, it was a real nice sunny day. It was in the afternoon, early afternoon. I was in the office and this, this is how they approach you. They make you tired, tired. I mean, they, they, they kind of shoot you with energy that makes you tired. So I go in and I rest my back and, uh, I was, I had my, 
uh, elbow up and I was just laying there. I wasn't asleep. And then I heard this crackling, popping sound in behind me. Uh, and I was facing the door to the north. And this was coming from my backside south. Heard this crackling sound. So I turned around to see what it was. It was really loud. It's like taking a whole box of crackers and just crunching them. It was a static. And it hit my shoulder. And then I got partially numb. I couldn't move too well. But then I took my shoulder and I tried to go backwards and try to see what it was. It hit me again. And then, then that's when I was really, I was really paralyzed. I can move my eyes. I can see out the door. And the strangest thing happened. I heard my sister's voice from the hallway said, come on, Dave, you can do it. Come on. I said, what do you mean, sissy? That's what I called her. And she said, you can do it. Come on. I said, come to the door where I can see you. She says, I can't. I can't come to the door. And that was my sister's voice. She died four years earlier. And, but that was her voice. And I said, what's going on here? Something's crazy. And my left hand was sticking up. I can move, move my fingertips. And, and then there's a baby's hand that dropped into my fingertips. And I pulled down on the fingers. I felt the palm. I said, my God, that's a baby's hand. What are they showing me this for? I, then I started kind of like getting really afraid. And then something heavy set beside me something solid set at my, my hip area and the bed went down. I said, Oh no. And I kind of screamed out. I said, God help me. See, I can talk and I can see in a certain direction, but I said, God help me. And all of a sudden it was gone, but I was actually electrocuted during that time. I, I got several shocks and I think that's where maybe I got an increase on my DNA negative uh, charges, whatever. It's interesting. Have you ever woken up with bruises? Yes, I've, I've, I've uh, had legs. Usually they do that on my legs and on my arms. Sometimes I will see like little marks on me. Uh, I just keep track of them. I take pictures of them and I don't do too much now. I don't go around in the woods or anything now. So I don't scrape or scratch myself too much. So when I see a mark anymore, I, I take a picture of it and I keep it on file. Uh, a lot of times they're like three little round holes in a row. Like I got on my leg right now. There's about four of them. It looks like somebody just took a little tool and run across and punched four little holes across. Yeah. I've, I've had my share. And I also, my back right eye was burned. Uh, and, I, and the doctor, eye doctor looked at it. I, it just happened out in the uh, Nevada. There was a real strong, bright light. It just flooded in my car. And this was about one o'clock in the afternoon. I was going to Alamo, Nevada for a convention there. And that's close to area 51. And this, this bright light just come in in waves and it hit my eyes. I had sunglasses, but my right eye was exposed and it hit my right eye and burned it. And I went back to, now when I got in my room, I, I kept splashing it with cold water and my brother called me and I told him about it. And he says, no, this is not the time you're telling me. He said, no, you know, you're wrong. He said, you're about an hour off. He said, this is your time you're supposed to be. In. And uh, so I lost some time. My brother said, uh, yeah, you're, you lost some time. So you better be careful. He said, they're going to get you. You're looking, you're asking for it. He, he was concerned because he knew that everything that I was going through, that was real. You know, these, my whole family, they, they just know for sure that, yeah, Dave has been through this stuff. So, but it's, uh, it gets scary at times, of course, uh, you can't, have that military focus all the time. Sometimes you're, uh, you get scared, but I don't want to stop looking. My curiosity keeps me going. I'm getting, getting to the age now, Doug, where I have to write this book, get it done, 
and just let everybody know uh, what I know. And before, well, okay, have other researchers um, talk to you and you know listen to your story and what are their thoughts? Yes, I've had I've talked to a lot of uh, scientists, uh, PhDs, and they believe everything that I tell them uh, because I tell them my symptoms. A lot of the times when people, they don't detail the ET very well. Uh, they don't tell about their body symptoms. I put my arm through my steel door in my, my living room in Godfrey. Something was telling me to walk through the door. Somebody, there was two entities behind me. I don't know who they were. I tried to turn and look, but I couldn't. And they told me to walk through this steel door. And I said, I can't, I'll bump my head. Uh, it was telepathically. And I, I thought I can't because I'll bump my head. I don't want to hurt my head. So I stuck my arm through and the arm went halfway through the door. It was up to around oh, about four or five inches from my elbow. And then I stood there and I looked around and I said, anybody seeing this in my mind, I was thinking, and it started burning. I started getting weak. I started perspiring and I was getting nauseous and the heat was getting to me up there at the door because the door was uh, actually interacting with my, my skin and my body and is making me nauseous. So I finished going through the door. I talked to a scientist in New Mexico, him and I were good buddies. Matter of fact, we kind of shared information, MIBs and the stuff like this. And he was a top secret guy. He's retired, but he's, he's an inventor. He told me when I wrote him, he said, don't, he said, when you write and tell me these incidents, don't give away everything. Just tell me what you felt like, what symptoms you had. And when I told him about this door and the heat that I had, he said, if it wasn't for your symptoms, I'd think you're dreaming. But he says, your symptoms, which you told me about the heat on your arm and how you felt, you felt nauseous. He said, you were abducted. He said, that's no dream. That's what that's, I asked her. I hung out with a biologist also when we did uh, some UFO uh, investigating and meetings. And I would talk to her quite a bit when I had these incidents, I would call and talk to her about, you know, certain things and see what she had to say. I always express myself like to Linda Moulton Hall, uh, Daryl Sims, Kathy Martin, you've had all these people. I talked to all these people uh, about what does this, what does this all mean? Uh, well, it, it means that I've been there somewhere, somehow that I've, I've been abducted and I've seen five different craft up close. So that's kind of a, a weird record to have. <laughs> so, but, but why are they, but I'm not even asking why they're abducting you, but what do they want? You know, what's the end game? What do you think their end game is? All right. We're, you ever heard that uh, scientists are saying that we might be a matrix? Uh, we, we could be just a hologram. Sure. And uh, that's a lot of scientists are saying that. Yep. Yep. I think what's going on is that we have another energy or another soul in us. We're carrying, we're a vessel. This, our bodies are vessels. They said that in the Bible. So our bodies are vessels and there could be more than one soul or something or somebody else that we're carrying around in our DNA and our subconscious. Our subconscious hides everything from us, the secrets, everything. So we only can open that up and the ETs know how to open that up. They also know how to use this as storage vessels. So there has to be something about me because I ran into another guy in Sedona and he was a Japanese young guy and he worked for a professor. He was kind of like a little weird, had a little weird energy. He told me, he said, do you know that uh, most uh, ETs believe in reincarnation? 
I said, yeah, I heard that. And, and that could be the key to things that we're being, we're going to leave our bodies someday when we pass and our soul is going to go somewhere. Our energy is going to go, our consciousness is going to go with it. So we might have something that they're interested in that we're carrying around an old soul. And that's what I was told about this Japanese gal. The reason why she liked me because either I was, I donated semen to her offspring or she is one of my offspring from years, years back since she's about in her early thirties. And I was, uh, in my sixties, uh, I could have been definitely could have been her, her father. Uh, and I saw several times where they did take semen samples from me and happened in Sedona. And they did, it looked like a Brown hose, a small Brown hose. They stuck it down between my legs. I had my right knee up. I tried to kick away the tube that they were putting there. And then after I tried, they knocked me out more, but they must've been kind of amateur because I regressed some of that dream that night. I walked back and forth in the room. Somebody had me by the shoulder, my left shoulder, and somebody was on my right side. They had this bright light. They erase your memory with bright light. That's one of the methods they use. And it's a tube. It's about seven inches long. looks like a fluorescent tube, but it's really bright. And they shine it back and forth in your eyes as you're walking. And I thought, why did they do it while I was walking? Well, if you're walking, you're going to open your eyes, right? It makes sense. If you're laying down, you may close your eyes and they may not get a good light, uh, you know, memory uh, removal. So they had me walking and I figured that's why they had me walking is to have my eyes open. Cause every time I looked at this light, it burned my eyes and I turned away and then they turned me back into the light. And I walked maybe two or three times from, from the end of the bed to the patio doors. And that was only probably about 15 feet less than that probably, but they walked me back and forth several times with that light. And so I laid back down and those are the memories I had. Uh, of that incident. So some, you can have some bits and pieces of your memory. Yeah. I mean, it is amazing <clears throat> that some people have no memories, zero, right? Some people need to be regressed and some people can't even be regressed. Right. Yet they know they've had some activity. So, so in conclusion, you think that they're here to get some type of soul energy or some type of emotional energy from us. There's something like DNA. You, you don't think it's DNA related? Yeah, it is DNA because DNA will show your your frequencies, and that's what they you have in you. Now, this is just one of my opinions about having a double soul or a double energy pattern within your DNA and your body that they're interested in keeping and using you as a storage vessel. That's only one. The other part is they're keeping up with us DNA wise, and they're actually hybriding us and making us smarter human beings and maybe trying to help us advance. Uh, and they also are against nuclear weapons. So they don't want us to destroy this planet. They, there's been a lot of nuclear uh, missile sites that's been visited by UFOs and they've yeah. actually messed yeah. with them. So they're against nuclear weapons. So I, to me, I think they're, they're either trying to hybrid us and then make us smarter, sharper human beings, peaceful, more peaceful human beings, maybe, uh, maybe more spiritual. Uh, you know, these, these are things that even scientists are, it's like me, I'm taking a, a guess shots here, but uh, even scientists would, would do the same thing and guess at, at what their motives are. Do you think any of their motives are to just take over slowly? <laughs> just Yeah, yeah, that's the hybrid program. Uh, one day that they will 
they will have a majority of us. And right now, with the trouble we got going on, they said the thing to worry about is the inter interterrestrial beings. These are human beings that are actually born and raised here on Earth, but they work in secrecy. They get in the top ends of our government. They get into the big banks. Uh, they try to control things in which not try, but they do because they know how to use that energy to influence people's thinking. This is, they say, are, are the most, uh, they're the most dangerous of all uh, the terrestrial, uh, you know, extraterrestrial, the intraterrestrial, and then the, the actual human, uh, you know, uh, I guess you would call aliens or ETs, but they're, I've heard that they're the most, because they're inter integrated in our systems. And they, they help push us in a the direction they want. It we sure want. seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Watch, you watch politics and you right. see what's going on right now. And it's it's kind of head shaking. You're just kind of like, eh, I can't believe that's going down. Yeah. Uh, um, but I know I've been followed and watched and stuff like that. I uh, it, And it's uh, the more exposed I get to a lot of different individuals. MK Ultra. I know you heard about that. I've talked to several people that's been involved in that. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, you don't know who's telling me the truth. You don't know who who is who is an alphabet person or or who is a true uh, UFO aficionado. You really don't know that. Sometimes you don't know who you're talking to. And Doug, I'm not an agent. I'm not an alphabet guy. <laughs> I'm an experiencer. So we have what uh, three minutes left. So tell us. Um, when do you think your book will be done? And, you know, what do you, what do you hope to learn in the next 10 years of your life? I mean, what are you looking to learn in the next 10 years? I'm hoping to live the next 10 years, <laughs> but no, I, what I want to learn is, is uh, what, what is this all about? And just like I told you the title of the book and you kind of give me some ideas about that. It says, what do they want? That's, that's the, the, the whole key thing. What do they want? The qu same question you asked while ago. And, and after I finished the book, I, I'm about, I got about, a, I can finish it in about a week or two of the, the text part of it. Then I have to go organize my illustrations. Uh, and of course, uh, hopefully you guys will work with me on that. Uh, you sound like great people. Love to. I'm, yeah. I'm really interested in working with you guys on this book project. Uh, but yes, I, I probably might go out on a speaking tour. I've been on a lot of radio stations. I'm all over the internet with my stories. Uh, I don't like calling them stories because they're, they're actually experiences and they're nonfiction. Uh, if I went to writing fiction, this would probably work pretty good. I can tell you some dreams that I've had regressed dreams that are really phenomenal. And I'll cover those in my book. Uh, these are uh, ETs that I met and I've met them face to face uh, in a regressed dream. And this is stuff that I can't make up. So that's, that's what I keep telling myself. So I can't make this stuff up. I'm, I'm not that creative. You know, you might be Doug because you've, done well, I've, I've, you know, I've talked, the thing is I've talked to you, you know, privately and yeah. you just seem like a normal everyday guy yeah. who's just going through life. And then you have these uh, hiccups, right. That um, you've just seemed to be, you know, at peace with, I guess. I am. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm focused. I'm curious. I want to, I want them to come and, and talk to me face to face or telepathically. Cause that's all they do. They they'll talk to you telepathically. And even in my regressed dreams, I was on another planet with two sons and that was a weird experience. And then I was on a big ship. I called Noah's Ark in which they were creating 
animals for different planets. And I met this really tall, she was a beautiful gal, about seven feet tall. And she was, she was, didn't have no hair, but she had big eyes and she was pretty. Uh, and I, I wasn't afraid of her. Uh, I was walking with her on board this big, huge ship. Uh, and I saw a three eyed baby. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I've seen a lot of things regressed and these are dreams that you, you don't have to make notes. You don't have a note. You don't need a notepad beside your bed. You remember these because they're so phenomenal. Well, how can people, or where can people go to listen to your podcast and give us the name of it? It's a DNN disclosure news network. And okay. we, have, we have it on Facebook and we've got three videos, I think out now. And we have the same problem. The producer has been kind of sick uh, lately and we've gotten behind on three, uh, you know, productions and we've got, we got several two hour shows to put out there yet. Uh, we're working on every week a two hour show. And then we're going to work on a 15 minute update event show that I, I will be, I've already done one of those and we're going to be putting, putting that out twice a week on DNN uh, disclosure news network. And it's, it's on the, there's a website and we also have a, a site on Facebook in which they can just go to and, and find out what's going on. Right. And one of the, one of the reasons that I really do believe you're very sincere is that you're after answers and that's why you're interviewing all these people. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think that you're seem to be curious. You're right. trying to connect dots. When somebody says something on air and I say, bingo, that hits me. That, that says you're yeah. right. You know, you're, you're definitely right. I talked to Tom Reed here a while back and there's a couple of things he said. I said, Oh my God. I said, bingo. You know, that's part of the puzzle I'm looking for. Uh, the other people that's been abducted and they can tell you the same little details. And that's a lot of, that's helps my curiosity a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you peace of mind. Yeah. Well, thank you, David, for joining us. I went by really, really super quick. Thanks yeah. Alex for running the board and, and um, co-hosting and, and coming on as my shyest son. He did great. No problem. <laughs> he, he sounds like he's, he's, he's really smart because he's been replying to me about the book and stuff. And I, and I really, that, that's great. I, I, I've been looking for publishers that would do, you know, what you guys do as a family and, and uh, I hear nothing but great greatness from everything I've been hearing. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really blessed to meet you, Doug, you know, yeah, well, we're blessed to meet you. So thank you, David. We're going to sign off and um, thank you for joining untold radio and please subscribe. We need more subscribers. We're growing. In fact, Alex told me, gave me some data today. We've grown, what, tenfold in the last year. So wow. that's good news. And um, we're excited to uh, grow more. Thank you, Alex, Doug. Thank you guys so yep, much. Thanks, David. Bye. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Bye. You have entered Untold Radio AM.